It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We welcome you along uh, to the programme. As I say, mixed bag weather-wise today, but tomorrow is going to be a completely different uh, picture as we await the arrival of Storm Barra. And there is a status orange wind warning in place for Clare, for us here in Cork, Kerry, Limerick and uh, Galway. And the status orange wind warning is in place from six o'clock tomorrow morning until six o'clock on Sunday, on Wednesday morning. So it's a 24 hour event. And actually later on in the programme, it'll be after uh, 12, we're going to be talking more about Storm Barra and what we can actually expect and what we need to do today to prepare for the advance of uh, Storm Barra. But we welcome you along to the programme. We've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850 You can text your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And I'm delighted to say I got my booster jab uh, yesterday. I got an appointment at Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow. I got a text message from them last week to say that they would be doing the over 50s. Pays to get old, doesn't it, when it comes to a booster vaccine, that they were doing the over, over 50s yesterday. So Julie filled in the application and uh, got a text during the week to say, yeah, come on down. So I went down yesterday about uh, 20, uh, 20 past five and they have this wonderful vaccination centre that uh, the, I was ch- chatting with Peter Weedle, the, the owner. They have a proper vaccination centre built with the cubicles and everything. And what an efficient system. They were even serving teas and coffees. I couldn't believe it. it was it really was great but it's just such a relief to get the booster jab and I've, I was saying that across last week to check in because I know people are waiting for the vaccination centres to get called we've already been hearing that some GP practices that initially gave the vaccines earlier on in the year have decided because they're simply too busy have decided not to do the booster uh, jabs so that's leaving older people who would have gone to their GP to get it that's leaving them at a loss and certainly across last week we had a number of calls in from people in the county who are getting called into the city people in North Cork the vaccination centre in Mallow is closed the one at the GAA centre so people from North Cork who need to go to the vaccination centre have to go into uh, City Hall and that was off-putting for uh, some people I know even in our own case at home Marcia got a call on well I got a text message on my phone from from Marcia to go to City Hall she's going to City Hall today at quarter past one her daddy is bringing her to get her booster uh, jab but she'd fall into the 16 to 60 year olds 
isn't it? The at-risk vulnerable groups, they're being caught. But they've got to go up to the city to get it, which is a bit of a pain in the butt. But anyway, listen, I've said, I said it earlier on in the vaccination uh, process. You'd go across hot coals to get the vaccine. I certainly would and certainly I would for Marcia to keep her safe. So uh, thrilled that she's getting hers uh, today. And, and there is that sense of people wanting to get their booster a jab. But just to check in with your local pharmacy to see... Are they getting vaccines? I know Weedles, when I was talking with Peter Weedle yesterday, he was saying they're expecting to get another huge batch of vaccines during this week. So towards next weekend, they'll be running more vaccine centres. Now, they're not walk-in clinics. You need to contact the pharmacy. They run a very efficient system in that you go on to their website, you fill in a form, so all the details are inputted into the form. So that when I arrived yesterday at my allotted time, I got handed a clipboard. I did tick a few boxes, but there was a page all printed out with all of the details that I'd submitted online. So it was all done. There was no, no filling in like my PPS number when I last had my vaccine, date of birth, all of that was on it. So I thought very, very efficient uh, system indeed because I'm reading on the front page of the Irish Times today that there's about 400,000 people in their 50s due to get a booster and it's this week people in their 50s will find out when the HSC will start to call them into the vaccination centres. The booster jabs are expected they were expected to, initi- to be administered initially by appointment only at vaccination centres for people who had their second dose. It's got to be at least five uh, months. And there had been speculation that they would be available to people towards the middle of December. That's when it was flagged as the start date for boosters for the over 50s. But the HSE's head of vaccinations, that's Damien McCallion, he's now raising the possibility of an earlier start date for the vaccination centres for the over 50s. And they're expecting to may have an announcement date for those sometime this week. Initially, it'll be done by appointment only. And then as they start to get through the over 50s, it will eventually go into a walk-in clinic similar to what they're doing with the over 60s at the moment. But initially, it'll be sometime this week they're expecting to start issuing those uh, appointments. And then the HSC is also waiting for guidance from NIAC on the rollout of the first vaccine doses for children. These are the younger children aged between 5 and 11, the ones who are the ones now most at risk of getting COVID at 19. So they, the HSE are waiting for NIAC for the recommendations on whether the HSE should prioritise the vaccines for the children before moving on to the, bo- to, to the booster doses for the younger adult age groups. So that means if NIAC say to the HSE, yes, once you've the over 50s done, you need to start prioritising children aged five to seven. It means those in their 40s, 30s and 20s, there will be, they will be pushed down the list while they start to vaccinate the children uh, instead. So we'll wait to see what Nyack has to say. And Nyack, by the way, do told a meeting on that uh, this week. But I suppose when it comes to the children, it's important that they start to roll out the vaccine because more than a third of people presenting for COVID testing are children. This is new data out from the HSC. The HSC is currently working to increase testing capacity across the country. That's in an attempt to try to facilitate what is now a huge demand for appointments. Uh, Thousands sought slots for PCR tests in the last two weeks. There was an average of 200,000 tests carried out 
each week over the last two weeks. And the HSC said despite the demand, they're, they're still getting an average non-attendance of 10% across the test centres. And that is very, very frustrating. And they're reminding people, if you can't make the test appointment for whatever reason, please cancel it in advance so that then that they can give that slot to somebody else when people are desperate to get a test and then to hear the 10% are no-shows. Data provided by the HSE showing that people are mainly booking their own appointments rather than going through their GP. People are... And then the the advice is still the same. The advice that we gave out last week. If you are trying to get a test, if you can wait up until midnight and then refresh the page at midnight, extra slots seem to become available at midnight for the following day or the following uh, 48 hours. And there's lots of people still doing that. And the HSC said that all centres, by the way, are currently operating at maximum capacity so they are working flat out but they're just there's just such a demand at the moment but uh, but a huge number of them are more than a third of them I think it was 34% is what it came out at are children who are looking to be uh, tested. 37% of those who attended for HSA test were under the age of uh, 14. 1850 333 103 and I have to hand it to Dunn Stores because it looks like they've won the Christmas jumper event of the year. This I saw in the Daily Mail uh, today. The super Dunn Stores are selling a red Christmas jumper and on the front of it is there's an image of mistletoe and underneath the mistletoe it reads kiss me I'm vaccinated common sense certainly has prevailed when it comes to primary school children heading into school today to wear their uh, wear their masks today is the day that they're all expected from third class upwards and it seems that primary school principals now have the flexibility to excuse pupils from wearing a face covering if they feel it's not appropriate for their children's needs. It's giving school leaders a level of discretion aimed at avoiding confrontation with parents. Some of the parents we know will object to the requirement and we also know we discussed this last week it remains in place until mid-February at least. Schools are expected to enforce the new rule on mask wearing on pupils from third class up from today but if issues arise they've now been told to engage pragmatically and sensitively with the parents. The policy allows for medical exemptions and the principal's discretion but it also provides for a child to be excluded from school if they refuse to wear a mask without an exemption and that was the one that was causing I think the most angst last week the fact that this was in the directive that a child would be excluded from school if they didn't have a medical reason for not wearing or not didn't have an exemption for not wearing their mask. However, new Department of Education guidance issued in the form of a series of frequently asked questions states that, and I quote, in implementing the public health measure, it is not intended that any child will be excluded from school in the first instance. Now, they do say where significant issues have not been resolved locally, schools are told then to contact the department and an inspector uh, will provide support because one of the issues when we spoke with, I think it was with the INTO last week when we spoke about it, there will be some parents who will just be dead against the idea of their children wearing a mask. It won't necessarily be the children themselves don't want to wear it, but the parents won't want their son or daughter 
uh, to wear the mask. And the someone from the uh, the INTO was making the point last week. What if you have a child in the classroom? who say is medically vulnerable from a health reason. Maybe it's a child who's recovered from cancer and has had, you know, chemotherapy treatment. It might be immune compromised or a whole host of different complaints that they could be immune compromised. The parents of that child who's trying to protect that child will want everybody in the classroom to be doing the right thing, the hand hygiene and to wear masks to protect their child. So you could have a, you can, you know, you can have a parent saying, I'm not letting my Johnny wear wear a mask but what about the other little Johnny who needs to be protected the parents there may then say to the school well you know I want my child to be protected so you can see issues arising like that but rather than leave that to the principal and cause a huge amount of argument to go on locally they're saying an inspector will come and provide uh, support and we've had a text in saying Patricia I was gobsmacked this morning the leading uh, the leading item on a national news this morning is about the opposition of some parents to face masks on children in school of course there should be exemptions but countries all around Europe and can I say all over the world have this in place at this stage and there's no WhatsApp groups kicking off about it. Surely it's for health and safety reasons. Just get on with it. Cannot understand why these people are actually given uh, airtime. And we also have the, thank you for your, t- your WhatsApp, and we also have the third level students, it's been announced today. They are to receive antigen tests, which will be available on the college campus. This is coming from the Higher Education Minister, Simon Harris. He's giving €9 million Euro of a fund to colleges and universities and they can draw down on that to provide antigen uh, tests and he said the fund is there to buy antigen tests and then provide them to the college students for free and he said it's up to institutions how they're going to, to decide how they will give them out over the coming months because there had been, even though we know they're not going to subsidise antigen tests for everyone because we heard Stephen Donnelly say the market has reduced the cost of antigen tests. But I did hear third level students, they were saying third level students under financial pressure, even at a cheaper rate inside in supermarkets and uh, discount stores may not be able to afford them. So... That's where Simon Harris has stepped in saying €9 million go away will buy the antigen tests for the third level students. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now in advance of the government's announcements on the new COVID restrictions proposed by NEFET last Friday, the Thornishta had promised they would look at supports that would be needed for the hospitality industry. So joining me from the Cork Vintners Federation of Ireland is Michael O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. And and you're welcome. When the Taoiseach addressed the nation on uh, Friday, was everything that he said expected? There had been so many leaks in in advance of that announcement on Friday. Yeah, I suppose, look, we had, uh, you're right, there had been so many media leaks and, uh, you know, the media knew exactly what was nearly happening. I think the only uh, question was what would happen around the closing times. And look, they... They, they've left it as is at the moment, which is 11.30 out for 12 across all hospitality. Um, and look, I suppose it gives us a chance to generate 
a little bit of a turnover in that time, but um, you know the, the table numbers reducing from ten to six will be um, will be a burden on us because that will take away uh, a bit. So it's a compromise, I suppose, leaving the time as it was, but reducing the numbers in the place. Um, it's it's just seen as the the way that they want to go about it. And the table service the, that hadn't that was always the way that hadn't. Well, no, it it, it had changed. Oh, uh, had on, yeah, on the 22nd of October, people were allowed, permitted to come up to the bar counter, order a drink, collect their drink oh, and return to their table. Yeah, they couldn't but sit at the bar. They couldn't sit at the bar, yeah, no, okay. but they, they could come up to get a drink, to okay. order a drink, collect it, return to their table. But from tonight, that is gone again. It's back to full table service. And look, that's another burden because obviously you need more staff to do that kind of a service. And um, and look, it, it's just uh, it's just an added cost on the business. And now with the the EWSS having taken a step back, um, in other words, the top rate of three fifty is now two hundred two or three. Um, you know, it's 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 putting more burden on on places to get more staff, and obviously they have to carry the the wages then of the people. Okay, and we know nightclubs and late bars, they're. They're gone from tonight, aren't they? From tonight, yes. Well, well, look, up to now, they've been closing like us for the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, for the last two weeks, um, at 11.30 um, and out for 12. But from tonight, uh, there is no nightclubs permitted uh, to open. But um, look, I suppose some of the nightclubs, they have uh, bar licences as well, so they may opt to go for the table service if it's feasible for them. But it does mean that some within the nighttime industry will be losing their jobs. It does. And look, uh, today, this, this morning, well, today at midday, there's a meeting with uh, Leo Vradkar, the Tanishta, uh, and Catherine Martin, our Minister for Tourism. Um, and the, look, they've said the PUP will be reopened for those that lose their jobs. Okay, um, that's welcomed at least at, at, at the 350 rate. Uh, that's what we're led to believe. It'll be at the 350 rate, but you will need your employer's number or something to um, to access it. So it it is only for those that are losing their jobs um, if they're if they're forced to close uh, the business because of the restrictions. So it's not for uh, people that have jobs to to go back uh, on yeah. the PUP. If you know what I mean. Yeah, and anyone and I know I was reading this morning that anyone whose PUP has already been reduced, it doesn't mean that theirs goes goes uh, back uh, to 350. Yeah, it, but this will only be for new entrants that lose their jobs as of tonight because of, of this. But there's also a knock-on from all of this, isn't there? I mean, I was talking with a taxi driver on uh, Saturday night. There, it, you know, it isn't just people working in the bars and the nightclubs or the restaurants that get affected. There's other people as well who... Absolutely. Look, the, it, it affects everybody, you know, like uh, it affects the milkman, the breadman, the, the meat producers, the farmers, because there's less going to be sold with the reduced capacity now again. Um, and absolutely the taxi drivers and music people they're they're really affected by it as well because you know when we close at half 11 out for 12 everybody's out in the street at the one time you could say between half 11 and 12 so a taxi driver will get a fare maybe two possibly three the most and most people are gone where you know when it's in normal times when we're closing between 12 and 3 you could say uh, people are moving at all times so taxi drivers are you know they're three four hours work where at the moment there's probably an hour's work there for them yeah, it's um, tough. So it's, it's tough on them, and yeah. and like unfortunately for people in the music industry, DJs especially, unfortunately there is no work at all for them at the moment because when we're closing so early, you know you might have a bit of live music maybe from nine till eleven or something, um, but there's very little work for DJs at the moment, so it's it's really tough in a lot of sectors as as you said. 
And I know there's been a wave of cancellations across across hospitality, particularly restaurants. Yeah, look, restaurants and the the bars that do food, the gastro pubs, even you know any bar, like I've seen it myself, um, any of the corporate events that we've had, you know, for I'd get them pre dinner drinks or maybe post-dinner drinks but mainly pre-dinner drinks they'd meet up for a few drinks before they go for dinner it's all gone it's all wiped out you know the next three weeks now we talking to publicans across the city and counting nobody has any corporate uh, um, uh, things um, events left because i think companies are don't want to be seen to going to be going out doing this at the moment and it's had a real knock-on effect yeah and of course with the tables being reduced to six and no multiple bookings yeah and that's, like that, that's your group even a small group of 10 15 people now can't go out together yeah, look, this weekend we've seen, I suppose, a boost this weekend, uh, ironically, from it because uh, a lot of teams, a lot of, you know, things that are coming to the end for the end of the season, the end of the year, uh, they normally go out at Christmas for a night out together. Um, they all went out this weekend. The amount of uh, groups that you'd see uh, of tens this weekend was just incredible. And like they were all saying, um, if you had a group of ten next week, it's two tables, where this week it was only one table. So they, they all went out this week and um, to get out for their, their drink before Christmas and have their night out because they know it's going to be much more difficult to get uh, to get two tables um, from next weekend on. And how has it been, particularly since October 22nd? Uh, it's been ch- very challenging because, you know, we're all at reduced capacity. Like, if you're somewhere around the 50% mark, you know, of your normal capacity now, uh, most bars. Um, and, like, look, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to know when you're full, you're full, and yet people coming to the door and, you know, they're looking to get in, and, like, it's really hard to be turning people away, but uh, under the current um, under the current scheme, we have to do it, and it's just really hard, you know, for operating like that when you know your business is only running around the 50% mark. Yeah, but with the rising COVID cases, uh, Michael, have you an understanding of why the government are t- have taken efforts advice? Yeah, look, we've we've always said from the very start that public health is of the utmost importance. And look, if if like even operating at fifty percent is better than being closed, we mm. totally appreciate that. Um, and look, we 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 wish everybody stays safe and well. And especially, look, we have to look after our staff, staff and customers as well. Um, so, like, we we need things to, I suppose, the government to be giving clear guidance on what's happening. But I think the difficult part is the mixed messaging that's coming out, you know, when you're told one week there's something happening and then the leaks come and people get very apprehensive of what's happening. You know, we've we've, we've heard all the rumour mills going around and it's just uh, it's just the, the uncertainty. But mm-hmm. thankfully last Friday from, you know, the, the meeting on Thursday night into the sub-cabinet, committee meeting Friday morning, the cabinet meeting Friday afternoon, at least we got a decision, you know, ahead of the weekend because I think it would have been very difficult going through last the, the weekend just gone if they had waited until the cabinet meeting tomorrow. So, you know, this is what we need going forward, as we've said, is just clear advice, clarity and, you know, let's get on with it. Okay, and are you sensing that nervousness out there, particularly maybe between your older customers? Yes, absolutely. Look, uh, the, from the messaging coming that ha- that came out for the last two, three weeks, you know, um, don't socially interact. I think anybody that's of uh, an older disposition, they've all taken it very, very seriously. And look, I can testify myself, as I said, uh, uh, many of my customers in the afternoon would be, you know, over the, the 60 mark, let's say, like yeah. that. And um, they... Uh, 
we haven't seen them in three weeks. There's none of, none of them out. And talking to lots of uh, my colleagues here in the city and across the county, uh, they're all reporting the same, that you know, business has really gone tough, um, especially during the week when you would depend on your older regulars. A lot of them have, uh, have taken that advice to heart. And look, you can't blame them. It's, uh, it's, 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 they're looking after themselves, but it's had a real knock-on effect on business. And it's, yeah, and it's sad to think that they're, they're almost self-cocooning, uh, some of them. And please God, they've, they're out getting their booster and that will protect them. And, you know, uh, you, 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 everybody wants to lead some kind of a normal, as normal a life as we can during a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, hopefully if we get to uh, the 2022, we'll see the uh, a brighter yeah. time ahead. That's it. That's it. And let's wait to see what comes out of that. As you mentioned, the representatives of the hospitality sector meeting with the Taunashta and the tourism minister uh, today. Michael, look after yourself and thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Michael O'Donovan there, who is the Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A Sinn Fein councillor has called for the British Royal Insignia on many Irish post boxes to be removed and, if needs be, use an angle grinder to remove them. Sharing his thoughts is Limerick councillor John Costello. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. And, you, and, and you're very, well, you're very welcome to the programme. <clears throat> I'm wondering, does on post have any idea on how many of these old post boxes are still in use that actually have this royal stamp on them? Yeah, actually, some of these um, post boxes are obsolete. They've been so badly damaged through lack of use and through vandalism and through lack of care, etc. Like this, this suggestion of mine, um, I think um, the word angry was probably a little bit insensitive, I would think, um, Patricia, because um, all, all I said was um, we need to remove them, like, you know, and even just cover them up and someone said, how do we do, do that? And I said, get an angle grinder. It's just off the cuff and it seems to have grown legs, um, Patricia. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, when I saw the angle grinder, I was thinking, because they are in the main cast iron. Yeah, um, I'm actually an engineer by trade, you know, I've worked in Bistacan, so I know all about metal, etc. And uh, I mean, some of these are actually works of art and fairness, like, you know, so I did support the motion, but I want to expand it by replacing the royal insignia with an post insignia. So that's that's I thought it that would actually go. But as I said, it just grew legs. I mean, yeah. these are the property of an post. So having the stamp of an post, they pardon the pun, having the stamp of an post and the post box made yeah. perfect sense to me. You know. Yeah, and there, I mean, they were originally obviously red. They were red post boxes, and then when we got our independence, uh, we painted them green. I mean, is there a case that it would be too expensive to simply replace them all? I wouldn't replace them all. They, they can be doctored at the same time, in situ. They can be covered with a crest. You know, it's not beyond the bounds of a good engineering company to come in and do the right work. But, like, we're spending millions on our public realm in our city at the moment in terms of the footpath, lights, uh, roads, etc. And I mean, we're going to have um, the Royal Crest, with all due respect. I lived in England for a while uh, on our post boxes. It doesn't actually make sense, Patricia, I don't think, you know. Yeah, but you are right in saying that in some cases they're, they're works of art, particularly compared to some of the modern post boxes that are literally just green boxes. Yeah, they're awful. Some of our own uh, post boxes are actually hideous in, in terms of them. Um, they, they look so so cold, aesthetic, as you said, 
the stakes are going to be awful. But um, we can dock to the present post boxes. They're fantastic pieces of metal, but you know, I think they're they're wonderful except for the the, the crown, etc. And it, you know, and it's a crown. And some of them, they're in the main. It's VR, isn't it? it was Victoria's VR. reign? There's, but yeah. the, I'm told there's even some with GR. GR Victoria's yeah. reign. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, and are you offended? Are you offended by them? I'm not offended by them. It was just um, a, a tongue-in-cheek remark. I didn't think we'd get so much publicity, given the fact that like, within metres of one post box, we have people lying in the street begging. And, and, and you know, it's just, it, it brings it on to perspective, you know? I know, so, I know. And, and, and the reaction you're, 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 you're getting, are you getting a lot of people agreeing with you? Or are you getting a lot of people saying, I would you cop on, John? Okay, it's mixed, but I didn't. It wasn't of my doing initially, but the Fine Gael councillors who who wanted to restore him initially, and so I must thank him for, for giving me so much publicity, <laughs> you know, and with all due respect. But um, we don't have to be reminded of Britain's colonial past in our country. It's time to move on, you know. So I think we should take ownership, you know, really take ownership of them. But but could we not see it as a reminder, at least any of us forget? Uh, yeah, but who wants to remind us of our Britain's colonial past with all due respect? Like, you know, it's, it's on a main sort of here. I lived in Hagley Road in, in Birmingham. I lived in London, so... Um, you know, they are constantly reminded of, the, of our past over there, but it's time to move on, I think, you know. Okay. And are there are there many of them where you live in Limerick? I pass about four each day, yeah. Do you? So okay, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're scattered around, and you, you, you often see them in, in rural areas as well, like, you know, small ones, you know. Yeah, I, I pass one every day that's kind of like in the wall. You know, it's actually in, inset yeah. into the wall. It's a, it's a small uh, little one. I, and, and of course, now that I'm starting to think about them, I'm, I, I, I'm end, I'll end up seeing more of them when your attention gets uh, drawn to it. Did you get yeah. any reaction back from Unpost themselves? I've sent and posted a number of emails. I didn't get an email back from Mr. Redford yet, the CEO. Um, I got a lot of calls from for my colleagues in the county there who want uh, the Limerick crest, but I'll just respect sorry, my cock friends down there, the Limerick hurling crest on some of the post boxes and so. Okay. So I must apologise for our inflicting um, that heavy defeat there recently. <laughs> oh! so we're, still, we're still celebrating that, by the way. And uh, we, we'll see you next year. Uh, we, we will see you next year for sure. <laughs> Listen, let, let, let us know if you hear back from... On post, I'd be interested to hear what oh, they have to Patricia, say. But, um, right. Patricia, if you mind, I just want to say one thing. Yeah. Like, history isn't there for you, like, all right, to like or dislike. You know, if, if it offends you, like, that's even better because you're less likely to repeat it. So it's not yours to erase or destroy. So on that point, I think... Yeah, that's, okay. that's a fair point. All right, listen, we leave it there, John. Thank you for that and have a good thanks, Christmas Patricia. in Limerick and thanks for joining us. Limerick uh, and Corkaboo. Goodbye. <laughs> Take care. That is Sinn Féin Councillor John Costa. That went a bit different there towards the end. Anyway, um, you, is John right? I mean, if you've passed a post box, you probably have a post box in your own area. You probably haven't even noticed that it has a British Royal insignia on it. It's only when you when you someone points it out that, God, yeah, we have so many of these old post boxes and he is right. Some of them are works of art because some of our modern post boxes are just, cause they do exactly what they said in the tin. You put your letter into it and they're just green boxes. But some of the older ones still have the British Royal insignia on it and it'll either be from Victoria's reign or from George's reign. 
is it time for us to forget about that part of our history and somehow I don't know whether an angle grinder is the way to go or not but to remove it or somehow even as John said to cover them and get rid of the royal insignia. Your thoughts welcome Donald and says hi Patricia listening to Councillor Joe Costello, John Costello from Limerick saying we should be removing the royal insignia from all of our post boxes uh, Anne says Councillor Costello talked about changing the post boxes surely that is a waste of money they, that if there was money available to do that it could be put towards other much more important things do people have anything else to worry about says uh, Anne so you want the old post box left as is and talking of history because that's what it is and that's what you know John Costello was saying it reminds us of our colonial past and we should be it should be just completely uh, removed. The Duhalo Heritage Centre want us to remember our past and they're holding a Zoom history talk. It'll be given by Dr. Porig Og O'Rourke on the Bantir ambush and the escape of Bill Shields. And it's happening this Wednesday, the 8th of December at 8 o'clock uh, in the evening. And if anybody is interested in joining the talk, then you can email Heritage at gmail.com and then what happens is they'll send you out a link to the talk uh, to from there to your email address so do hollow heritage at gmail.com if you'd like to to get involved with that zoom history talk on the Bantir ambush the escape of Bill Shields and it's happening this Wednesday 1850 listeners looking for a bit of uh, help where is that gone Anne here it is hi uh, Patricia I wonder if you could help me please could you put out on air where I can buy red berry holly wreaths I want them for the graves of my loved ones loved ones I really want ones that have red berry holly on the actual wreath and I'll be looking to purchase about 10 of them that's a big enough order Anne and Anne is living in the Ballinhasig area but would travel anywhere uh, to buy them so let's put the shout out West Cork area obviously because Anne is in Ballinhasig it does, has anybody spotted holly wreaths but holly wreaths with the actual berries on them has anybody spotted them for sale in and around the Ballinhasig area or as Anne said is, is willing to travel or perhaps somebody listening it plans to make those holly wreaths and, and can put an order in with you for uh, 10 of them. I mean, I have a gorgeous holly tree in my garden. When I say in my garden, it's actually in the neighbour's garden, but it hangs in over my garden. So it's kind of, I look on it like our holly tree. And it was a wash with berries. And I was only looking at it yesterday. There isn't a berry left on it. But whatever type of holly tree I we have, we share, it's always the same every year. We, the berries come out lovely and early and then there's, there's never any of them there uh, for Christmas. And I'm not saying that that's the case with all holly trees. That, and people have to go and source the, the holly trees and go and source them to make the wreaths. But there are people who make, who have a little business going and make a, a make a little bit of money in the run-up to Christmas out of making holly wreaths. So does anybody know holly wreaths for sale in the Ballinhasset, kind of general West Cork area? We have Anne's contact details if you can help us with that, please. 1850-333-103. I can already see questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming. Uh, we'll put them to her after 12 today. John Paul is taking calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And actually talking about being kind at Christmas, going to say thank you to Mary Buckley from Rathcool, one of our dedicated listeners here to C103. She arrived this morning, masked up, socially distanced the whole lot with a gorgeous box of homemade scones and a Christmas card for us for our 11s this morning. So uh, much, much appreciated. So thank you to Mary Buckley in Rathcool. OK, uh, some reaction to John Costello the Sinn Féin Limerick councillor who has said take an angle grinder and remove the insignia from the post boxes that are dotted around uh, the country. I, I, I take it that every town and village would still have one of the very old cast iron post boxes that has the British insignia on it either in the main it is it'll have the crown and it'll be Victoria's reign it'll be VR but seemingly there are even some with the GR uh, on them and even you know the Sinn Féin councillor uh, John Costello said some of them are works of art so he's not saying that he wants them removed but he thinks we shouldn't be reminded of our colonial past by having these on the post boxes and that we need to get rid of them uh, Denise said in relation to those post boxes. This is the kind of stupid stuff that I'm afraid will become more prevalent if Sinn Féin ever got into power. I agree there are far more important issues in Ireland at the moment and that's from Denise in uh, West Cork. And John says, Patricia, that councillor John Costello must have nothing else to bother him money post boxes wouldn't you think his interests would lie in better things in the community God help us says John but I suppose the fact that he is a Sinn Féin councillor is probably one of the reasons why he he's like he takes umbrage to them it's not that they upset him but he, he, does, he doesn't like to have to he says every single morning uh, as he goes about his business he passes at least three of them in uh, Limerick and he wants something done about him and it's kind of coincidental that we're talking about something like that that reminds us of our history on the day that's in it because today marks the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Anglo-Irish Treaty in uh, London. And the treaty, of course, formally ended the War of Independence and then that set the stage for the British withdrawal from most of Ireland, which meant that those post boxes we're talking about, they were red up to today. They started painting them over green instead. And of course, it was the beginning of handing over of power to an independent Irish government. And the Anglo-Irish Treaty was signed on this day in 1921 in 10 Downing Street. Signing for the Irish delegates was Arthur Griffith, Michael Collins, Eamon Duggan, Robert Barton and George Gavin Duffy and then on the British side their Prime Minister of the day was David Lloyd George. Also signing the treaty was one Winston Churchill, Austin Chamberlain, F.E. Smith and Lord Birkenhead. And of course the treaty gave Ireland independence but as a member of the British Commonwealth 100 years ago it didn't give it its republic status and of course it was immediately surrounded by controversy because it wouldn't be an all-Ireland unity. Northern Ireland on this day 100 years ago could decide to and they did to remain outside the new state and then an oath of allegiance was sworn uh, by the uh, TDs but that's 100 years ago today. 1850 Now some of your thoughts coming into as I mentioned uh, we were talking about schools and from today uh, it's the official wearing of masks 
third class and upwards but as I mentioned at the top of the programme it does look like common sense has uh, prevailed and the primary school principals very much have the flexibility to excuse pupils from wearing face masks if they feel they're not appropriate for the children's needs and you know the principals and the teachers know the children best and they'll know the ones that are not going to be able to cope too well with having a mask on all day you know and they might give them extra breaks to take the mask off or maybe in some cases they will give them complete exemptions uh, from it. Now I was speaking with somebody whose young lad wears glasses and anyone that wears glasses will know how tricky and difficult the mask wearing can be and I wear contact lenses I've been wearing them for years and I had to get my contact lenses to go and get an eye test and you know the check up that you get every couple of years on Saturday and I got a message from the optician to say don't wear your contact lenses coming in for the test so I didn't and then I had to root around for a pair of glasses because I rarely if ever wear glasses I've been wearing contact lenses so long so I found a pair of glasses anyway and I duly headed off and I arrived early for the appointments to sort of get in quick bit of shopping and of course had the glasses on and put the mask on and as soon as I walked into a shop I couldn't see anything I had to take the glasses off so I was walking around half blind trying to look for what I was looking looking for and I was thinking thank God I wear contact lenses and not glasses so it is a problem for anybody wearing glasses now I know there's various sprays that are out I don't know how effective they are at stopping your glasses from fogging up but certainly from children in the classroom who are now just getting used to wearing the mask with the glasses that's going to be an issue that is going to be an issue for some uh, children again I'm assuming we're going to have teachers and principals being very flexible around issues like that because it's impossible if you're trying to look at a classroom and your glasses are completely fogged up you wouldn't see let alone the page in front of you you would certainly won't be able to see uh, the blackboard so it's good to see that the common sense is very much prevailing and also that the Department of Education have changed that guidance. Nobody is going to be excluded from school because they're not wearing a mask today for third class and upwards and I also know that children in special needs uh, schools and children with special needs are exempt from wearing masks. So I was surprised to see that a listener said, Patricia, my daughter teaches special needs children and the pupils that this listener's daughter teaches has absolutely no problem about wearing masks. Parents cooperate with whatever is best for their child and they do. And And in the main, that is exactly what is happening. Parents are cooperating. You'd always get the few, like the ones that one of our listeners was saying that they heard on national radio earlier. You'd always get people who absolutely object to masks. I know I was listening to uh, Joe Duffy last week, I think when it first got announced, and they uh, he was the, he. The, there was a woman on there who was she was a Dublin woman, just completely against. Had told her sat her child down and told her child he didn't that he didn't need to wear the mask. Rather than giving the child the choice, would you like to wear the mask? And the problem is that when they go into the classroom, when all of the other children are wearing masks, if you're the only one not wearing a mask you know, you stand out straight away and children are really good about knowing what's right and what's wrong and what's the right thing to do. When we first got into, when it became compulsory to wear safety belts, it was children were the ones who were saying to their mammies and daddies, put your safety belt uh, on. Children have been so good about that and, you know, children know 
the difference between right and wrong and if they think what they're doing by wearing a mask they're protecting themselves they're protecting the other children in their class and they're also protecting people at home I think people will do it all at the more 1850 and just talking about schools and we will be talking about Storm Barra which is arriving on our shores from the early hours of tomorrow morning John in Blackpool says just as a suggestion should the Department of Education think about closing schools tomorrow and giving all the children a day off? We're hearing so much about how bad this storm barra is going to be. It's looking like it's going to be a bad one. John is wondering, should schools close it? Oh, yeah, and we've done that in the past if we know there's a very bad storm coming, even though usually it's more to do with whenever we get major snow events. But we have, I suppose, closed schools before for, for bad storms. I think from what, now we'll find out more about it with a weather expert later on in the programme. I think the coastal areas are more at risk, John. I don't know, as you move more inland, or for example, where you are in Blackpool, are you going to be as affected tomorrow, even though there are spring tides? And I did see Cork City Council already issuing warnings that there will be some flooding events uh, tomorrow. But John reckons anyway that the Department of Education should move on this now and should give all the children a day off school. And Anne says, morning Patricia, the health experts, Neffet, who we have actually trusted from day one, trusted to keep us informed on the pandemic, have now been officially gagged by the government. Shame on Hall Martin. And this is to do with Neffet, who must now seek permission before they speak to any members of the media. And a number of people are using that line saying that Neffet have been gagged and you're not the first uh, to use that. And um, in all of the papers this morning, I'm reading that the government are coming under pressure to explain why uh, Neffet now need official clearance in future before they can publicly speak about anything to do with the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, For example, two leading members of Neffet who were willing and had agreed to appear on radio over the weekend on various talk shows were later described as being unavailable by government uh, officials and it has now emerged that all future media appearances by any members of Neffet must be cleared via the government's information service and the government information service is based at the Taoiseach's Department in Government Buildings. Now, Taoiseach Micheál Martin said yesterday there's no question of sidelining Neffert's communication with uh, the public and he absolutely said this is not a question of anyone being gagged and he said that he had no issues with Neffert but believed that there were areas where they could streamline and evaluate communications. That's a kind of a nice, clever way uh, to put it. And he says these measures are unanimously advised by Neffet and accepted by government. They're designed to protect public health and life over the coming period, particularly in the context of the Omicron, which is the variant about which not enough is known and risks are better and risks are better not to be taken in advance of that knowledge. It's better to be proactive rather than reactive. I don't know why that why you would be saying that, Deesha can say that the Neffet can't uh, speak out. Anyway, he, so that's what's happening now. A lot of people, if you were to be cynical, will say, has this got to do with the fact that the letter that Neffet sent to Stephen Donnelly, and nobody's saying it was Neffet, everybody found out about that and we all knew what was in it. And that was actually, it was coincidentally my first question to Michael O'Donovan of the Vintners Federation when we were awaiting Micheál Martin to do his stand outside government buildings and address the nation. One of those speeches again. 
we all knew what what was going to be said. The only thing we didn't know was were they going to close the pubs at 10 o'clock rather than at half 11 all out for 12. But everything else we knew and people would point directly to, well, that was what was contained in the Neffet letter. And of course, they've decided now that Neffet are... I'd say a bit of tetchiness now between Neffet and the government. So gagged, are they gagged? Are they not gagged? Anne reckons they are and is pointing the finger of blame at Micheál Martin and Micheál Martin says, no, this is not a gagging. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Liscarra Engineering are looking for a full or part-time admin assistant. You need to email plynch at... Liscarrellengineering.ie Irish Yogurts, they're based in Clonakilty. They've got vacancies for a health and safety manager, dispatch supervisor, and a cold store operators. Email your CVs to k.hurley at irish slash yogurts.ie or you can call them 023 883475. Person wanted for front of house and admin, email your CV to carry.murphy at osborne.ie. And a creative individual with a background in graphic design is required for work in Mitchellstown. Email editor at avenuepress.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Hi, Nick Richards here from C103's Afternoon Show. Santa's on his way and he wants to talk to Court Kids. Ho, ho, ho! I just can't wait to chat to you all on Cork's greatest hits, C103. The countdown to the big day is on, so don't miss your chance to talk to the big man himself. It's so easy. Simply go to c103.ie and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a Christmas call from Santa. Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls with McCarthy's Interiors and Gift Shop, Douglas and Balancholic Shopping Centres. Call now for festive bedding gifts and decor. See McCarthy'sInteriors.ie I could be talking to you with Nick Richards in the afternoon. Only on C103. Ho, 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 We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Friendly faces always ready to help this Christmas. C103. Now, a new West Cork-based publishing company called Sweeney and O'Donovan have just published their first book, which tells the story of the Cool Mountain community in West Cork. It's a frank and honest memoir written by Fred Gallo called Blowin, and it outlines his life living in the hippie community of Cool Mountain. And Fred takes time out to join me this morning. Good morning to you, Fred. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and congratulations on on your book. It, it, it what prompted you to write it? Um, firstly, it's it's uh, very exciting times for me personally. The nineties, so it was uh, a reminiscence. And um, when I started writing it, it was also an opportunity to get a few opinions out there, which maybe aren't heard too often. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and particularly, I, I, a lot of people will agree with your opinions when it comes to things like climate change and the environment. But let me take you back to the 1990s. You had been living, uh, some would say, an alternative lifestyle in that you were living in squats in England. But what brought you to Ireland? It was in 1990. 
I first came a couple of times in the late 80s to visit friends, and increasingly I liked what I found in West Cork. Uh, lacking any clear direction at the time, I thought I'd come here and try to live here and establish myself. And, well, here I am still, 30-odd years on. And had you been aware of a community living in Cool Mountain? Uh, I heard about them when I came here, but it wasn't what drew me to the county, no. And you lived for many years, I mean, because the book says blow-in, living off-grid in West Cork. You did live for many years off-grid with no electricity and no phone. That's right. Was yeah, it, was that, were, were, they, were they very tough times? Not in the least, no. But we were living, I make the point in the book really, we were living at a, a, a level of technology that most people had only left behind about a generation earlier. So it, it was no hardship at all. It was an awful lot of fun. But you were very much arriving into an area at a time where the local people were sending their sons and daughters away. People were emigrating, were going almost the, 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 the opposite way to where you had come from. That's right. I wonder which one, which group got the best for that. <laughs> I, I think having read this book, I think you've done. I think you, you've certainly done, the, done good out of it. Now, the, the way you purchased your parcel of land was, was interesting. That's right. I, I'd known Martin, the man from whom I bought my land, for four or five years by that point. And, um, well, we, we walked the land and agreed uh, a price. It was, I took a bit of advice, slightly more than he was asking. I didn't want to leave myself vulnerable to any accusations of, of, uh, of having taken advantage of him. But it was a very small price by today's standards. And, uh, and I paid him so much a week until I had the amount paid, really. God. At that point, we yeah. considered the land was mine. There's people listening to you today trying to buy property and thinking, God, isn't that the utopia world that you could pay it off weekly and, and until eventually it's paid off? But I loved the fact, Fred, that you paid him more than he was asking for. That's very yeah, he loved that as well. There's very, there's very few people have done that. And then, so you had this parcel of land and then you set about building your own house and everyone in the community helped out. I, not quite everyone, but most. Yeah, we, we all had a policy of helping each other out. Um, I've, I've come across the artist uh, Mayhal. Yeah. The farmers helping each other out, especially at harvest time, working as a gang for the benefit of one man one day and another next. Well, we had a system of work days up here. So anyone who had a big labour-intensive project on could depend on the help. I think it was Tuesdays regularly. And we didn't bother counting who owed hours to each other. We just did it out of uh, goodwill, really. Yeah, and it's, that is, it is the mehel that's everybody helping uh, everybody else out. And, and I don't know, Fred, if everybody in your community worked as hard as you did. But when you, when you read your book, I mean, you never made a lot of money. You'll, you'll never be a millionaire, for, for sure. But you always managed to find work. Was that something that was always important to you? I, I've always found that life's a lot more interesting when you're working. And, uh, yeah, there's many people up here work at least as hard as I did. I, I certainly wasn't unique in that. <clears throat> um, somebody said to me recently, he said, you can always tell what God thinks about money by just looking at the fellas he gave it to. <laughs> <laughs> but people might, would have an image, Fred, a wrong image of, 
you know, the hippie community. Oh, they're lazy. They're sponging off the system. They're all living on social welfare. I mean, your book dispels that. You, you've worked hard all your life and backbreaking work at times. Uh, let's, let's be clear about it. I was on social welfare. I was a single parent for many years and I couldn't have worked full time. I, I took occasional jobs, uh, but welfare state was very generous in the day and I took full advantage of that when I needed to. But yes, I prefer working. Uh, that's how you get out and meet people. Have you a favourite type of work of all of the jobs you've done? Oh, all of them at the time. I'm, I have been for nearly 30 years now a coach driver. and I still continue to do that. So obviously that's very seasonal work. Up until last week I was uh, driving school buses. So driving would be a large part of it. I, I qualified as a tour guide. I've, I've been a teacher working abroad, teaching English. I've done a lot of things, and I've enjoyed every one of them for at least a short while. Um, uh, and busking? Busking, yeah. The seed collecting was lovely work. That's mentioned in the book as well. Yeah. They used to need seeds for all kinds of trees. And for a few years, that was something that many of us turned our hands to in the autumn. And the planting of trees is, is so important. It is, of course it is, yeah. And as the community grew, uh, many people started to have children. Have many, uh, and those children obviously have grown up, have many of those children continued the lifestyle, Fred? Um, I think the lifestyle that we lived in the 90s, it's pretty much impossible now. There wouldn't be too many people living off-grid. But many of, of those children... Uh, are still living in this area or have come back to this area since COVID. So the community still continues in that level. And how many would? How many still live in Cool Mountain today? Well, my own son's back on the mountain now. Um, he was living and working in London. Um, I, at a quick guess, I'd say about eight or nine in the immediate area within a mile of where I'm sitting now. And at the the height of the community, there was how many would have lived there? Uh, it's really hard to answer that precisely. I, I think there were probably about 130 people living directly, immediately on Cool Mountain. An awful lot more living in an easy distance from here or maybe just passing through, spending a bit of time. Yeah, and it's the transient nature of the life as well. People came, spent some time and, and, and then and moved on. But in the book, you as a community were very much ahead of your time, very aware of the damage that, you know, modern living does to the uh, environment. Do, as you're starting to get older, Fred, do, do you worry we'll never get a hand a handle on climate change? Uh, well, yes, I suppose I do as a short answer, yeah. There's nothing really. Sorry. Not, not everyone can live the way in the ideal world. If everybody lived the way you lived on Cool Mountain, we wouldn't be talking about climate change. But unfortunately, uh, that's not that that, that 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 that's not what happened. T- talk to me about your cricket uh, team and how successful was that cricket team? Sorry, can I just backtrack? Uh, that that thing about climate change. I, I think the central point is that people have very high expectations and they're reluctant to let go of those high lifestyles. So um, if if people were prepared to consume a little less, that would be a major thing. It really would, in in terms of climate change. But that's not really why we all came here. 
It wasn't a political or an environmental movement. It was simply fun. It was a lot of fun living at a, a slightly simpler level of technology. Mm. The cricket team then. Yeah, that yeah. was back uh, as well. As, as I said in the book, it's hard to imagine cricket in West Cork, really. This is yeah. GMO territory. <laughs> and, and, and how did you keep your whites white? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Hand washing, I <laughs> and And your trip to the Chelsea Flower Show uh, sounds like there could be another book just in that uh, trip. And that and that that trip ended up in a gold medal at the Chelsea Flower Show. Indeed, yeah. Congratulations to it. I think that she was the youngest ever to win a gold medal, and uh, that was a great experience. Didn't yeah, make... my, my only part in it was as a, a, a driver. Yeah. I, I took yeah. the lorry over there. Listen, so. it was still okay. it was still an important part for it. You needed to get the items over there, and and you did. And obviously, life has has uh, moved on, and and so has, as you've explained, the the community has whittled down to uh, to to such few numbers now. But when you reflect on your life, and obviously that's what you've done in this book, do you miss the early days? Oh, totally. Yes. Yes. I suppose people do in all walks of life. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very exciting. Playing the music, meeting people in a slightly different culture, but we all had the language in common. And um, exploring, spreading the wings. It was very exciting. And you integrated the, into the local community? Well, I'd like to think so, yeah. You'd have to ask them and my neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't had any calls in saying get that lunatic off the airwaves, so you're doing well. You're doing well. You're not You're not a fan of Christmas. Will you have a Christmas tree up this year? No, I won't be bothering. I used to when I had young children. It's, um, oh, well, I explain my point of view on that in the book. <laughs> yeah, you're not a fan of Christmas. Okay, and come here. Um, how, have others within the community read your book and how are they reacting? I think most of them are currently in the process of reading it. Um, how are they reacting? I haven't had too much feedback from my immediate neighbours. I've, I've had some. There's one good old friend of mine who sent me a text this morning, and uh, her 14 year old son is. He has never been seen reading a book before, but he's on page eighty or something now. That's brilliant. So that was encouraging. That's brilliant. That 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 is is brilliant. And in and one other point from your book, you believe that everyone should at least once in their life hand raise an animal for consumption. Uh, that's not likely to happen, is it? But people who eat meat, I feel, get it far too easily without really thinking about it. Um. It's quite well documented now that people eating too much meat is not good for their own health. And if people did take a hand in raising an animal or hunting or even fishing, then they might have uh, a little more um, understanding of, of what goes into it rather than just buying something wrapped in plastic from a supermarket. Uh, yeah, I think It's you're all right. about taking personal responsibility, really. So you believe everyone can make a difference? Sorry, can you ask that again? I said, you believe everyone can, we can all as individuals make a difference? I, I, certainly, certainly. Yes, yes. Okay, well, listen, uh, well done. Who did, the, who did the cover, the work on the cover for you? Well, that's a lady called Neve Leonard. She's my partner. She's a very talented artist. It's beautiful. 
It's beautiful. Oh, too, yeah. She'd yeah. be very glad to hear you saying that. Well, it's beautiful. Okay, and where is the book on sale? Um, you'd have to ask the publisher. <laughs> Fred, you need to sell your own book. <laughs> <laughs> it's in bookshops all over the website at the moment. Yeah. Some yeah. point this week, it's going to be in the three major ones on Patrick Street. Uh, they tell me they're going to be expanding into Perry and all over Munster in the next month or so. Uh, it's available online through the publisher's website, Sweeney and O'Donovan. And it's uh, it's available through Amazon. Uh, currently, it's only the American Amazon that has print copies. I, I don't understand how Amazon works. Okay. But a Kindle, a downloadable version is is online as well. Okay, well, don't you see, you've sold it well there at the end. <laughs> you've sold it well. Because as, as, the usual line is it's available in all good bookshops. Listen, Fred, it was a lovely read. I really did in, in, enjoy it. Well, well done uh, on it. Good luck with it. And thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us this morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Fred Gallo. The book is called Blowing living off-grid in West Cork. And can we wish the best of luck to that new publishing company that's just set up in West Cork, uh, Sweeney and O'Donovan. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We're giving away Super Value gift cards worth a total of €5,000. €5,000. C103's Christmas Covered is your chance to win a €500 Best of Shopping spree. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 weekdays to count the Christmas bells. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount to 0862 C103's Christmas Covered. C103's Christmas Covered. With super value gift cards. Perfect for every occasion. Available in store or for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. Search super value gift cards. Listen at 925 weekdays to win on C103. And we're going to talk about consumer rights now with Karen Crowley, who's Information Officer with South Munster Citizen Information Service, which is based in uh, Mallow. Uh, and it's with the busiest time of the year for shopping. I think this is most apt that we're talking about it today. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. OK, is there any change in the situation in relation to the Citizen Information Offices first? Are, are, you, are you back doing walk-ins yet? We're not, unfortunately. Okay. You know, citizens' information offices are a bit like COVID. It's one step forward and two steps back. So while we're still providing our service mainly by phone and email, we're also seeing people by appointment in some offices, which have been kitted out with PPE. Um, we will only give those appointments in the most, I suppose, an emergency. It has to be an emergency at the moment. Um, we were looking at opening up a little bit more, but then the numbers went yeah. went mad, so we had to tighten things up a little bit, just to be able to ensure our service delivery more than anything else, and to protect the clients coming in. But in fairness, most of the things can be dealt with over the phone or they by can. by email. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've discovered that we're handling advocacy via email. We're dealing with ninety five percent of queries well over the phone. 
Um, so yeah, we are actually, I suppose we have adapted an awful lot in the last year and a half and I'm sure there's more adaption to come yet. But for now, we are rolling on there and we are still providing a full service. Okay, well done, well done. Okay, busiest time of the year when it comes to shopping. There's a number of different topics uh, we want to address. Start with vouchers. A number of people, when particularly the person who has everything and you can't think what to get them, a gift voucher is always a good option. What do we need to keep in mind? Absolutely. And let's face it, we all love giving them. We all love receiving Absolutely. them. Absolutely. A voucher is, it's a present that you can exchange for goods or services. That's the definition of the voucher. Now, there was this lovely legislation brought in on the 2nd of December 2019 under the Consumer Protection Act. And it set out new rules for gift vouchers. So the first and most important to all of us is that the gift voucher must have no expiry date or be valid for at least five years. Now, if there's people out there like me, there's gift vouchers thrown in the back of drawers, they're thrown in the back of presses. And you pull it out and, you you know, you could potentially in the past have seen that it was gone out of date. Yeah. I received one myself for uh, Christmas 2019 um, for services to the salon. And you know yourself uh, that COVID hit in March 2020 and out the window it went. And I was only looking at it again the other day. And while it did say six months expiry, I had a quick check on citizensinformation.ie and I was thrilled to see my husband purchase it on the 9th of December, which meant it came in, it was purchased after the legislation came Brilliant. in. So even though it says six months, that means nothing. I have five years to use that voucher, so I'm absolutely delighted. Okay. So that's, that's one thing, okay? So don't be put off by what's on the voucher. You have the entitlement to five years. Now, the other things to look at then are traders cannot specify that a gift voucher is spent in one transaction, so you may spread it over a few transactions. The trader cannot charge a fee to change the name on the gift voucher, so even though it may be named for one particular person, you can pass it along. If there is a balance remaining on that gift voucher of more than one euro after you buy something, the trader must reimburse the balance to you so they can give you either cash, make an electronic transfer, or give you another gift voucher. And unfortunately, then the last little one is supposed to reinforce for those purchased before the 2nd of December 2019, so before the new legislation came into effect. The expiry period and the terms and conditions that applied at that time of purchase will apply to these vouchers. So again, anything after the 2nd of December, you're looking at a minimum of five-year expiry. Anything before the 2nd of December 2019, it'll be whatever is on the voucher. But certainly anything you're buying this year, this year will be uh, covered because we do know that some businesses were great. If the voucher went over, they would recognise it, but others didn't, so they're stuck to the letter of the law. Now, lots of people are shopping online. What do we need to keep in line with online shopping? Yes, they are. All of us are, particularly um, after COVID, even those that didn't. And while we love to buy local, sometimes you do have to go online to get something you can't get locally. So you need to check where is the business based. So you have extra protections if it's within the EU. So I would always say if the business is based outside of the EU, consider finding an alternative EU store to ensure you have stronger rights should an issue arise in the future. And then, of course, buy from a reputable retailer. Have you heard of this website? Have you heard of this company? It's important to do a little bit of quick research, check the reviews and social media pages, or even just chat to a family member. Have you bought from this company before? Because we all see the ads popping up on different social media outlets, and you click through, and you you may not have heard of it before. And sometimes it's fine, and then other times it's not. So check the cancellation returns policy. When buying goods online from non-EU-based businesses, read the T's and C's on their website and check if you can return or cancel your order if you change your mind. That's very important. Now, obviously, the other one then, check for additional taxes and charges. If you're buying from business outside of the EU, 
read the T's and C's on the website for details of any import taxes or additional charges you may have to pay. For example, VAT or customs charges. And I think we've all gotten caught back in the day with these that uh, it would arrive to the door and the, the person, the courier or on post would be looking for the customs charges. Now, this also applies or can apply to purchases from UK businesses as well. And we'll look that, at that there now in a minute. Um, but yeah, taxes and charges, give a look, see where it's based. Essentially, I'd be saying try and stay within the EU if, if you can. Because what may look like a bargain when you then add on the taxes and charges suddenly Absolutely. becomes very expensive. You can, you can suddenly arrive on and next thing you're charging another 30, 40, 50 euros. Um, then we will look at security. Now, this was a new one for me and something I found very handy when I went looking into this. Check the website is secure. And there's a couple of little easy ways of doing that. So if you were to type in www.citizensinformation.ie, what you would see on your top browser would be HTTPS before the www. So you're looking for that S at the start of the line. So that indicates it's a secure site. And then at the other end of the line, you're looking for a little padlock symbol. It's very subtle, but it is there. So this is what you want. And this shows that the website is secure. So I would be saying to everybody, give a look at that before you put in any details, any card details or anything else. Okay, Brexit then? Brexit. So you may have to pay VAT if an item comes from UK or outside the EU. You may have to pay further customs charges if the item has a value of €150 or more if it comes from the UK or outside the EU. Customs and VAT will be collected either at source from the website or you will receive a notification from the courier and we'll have to pay this before delivery can happen. Now, I have come across a situation where, and, and this was just anecdotal, where somebody purchased, they actually went out of the way thinking, great, it was a German site, that's fine. I'm sorted for customs, um, and it arrived and there was a customs charge. And when they looked into it, when they checked where the company was based, even though it was a .de, a German website, it was actually based in somewhere like Guernsey, so they got caught for the customs there as well. So again, double-check. Because of Brexit, there are charges coming from the UK, so even if it has an EU address, check the company, go into the T's and C's and check where the company is based. Okay, what if you're not happy with the item? Where, where do you fall when it comes to returns if you have a problem with something you've bought it's always the seller who must put things right okay so as a general rule the seller must offer a repair or replacement alternatively they can give you a refund but they don't have to do so if you're not if you're not satisfied with the quality then you return the item to the seller now sometimes a seller will say no no it's the manufacturer but we will tell you no it is the seller that's obliged to deal with this for you we would also say act as soon as you can. A delay can indicate that you've accepted faulty products. Don't attempt to repair the item yourself or give it to anyone else to repair it because this can negate your rights. Make sure you've proof of purchase, so a receipt or a credit card statement. And if it's to do with services, keep all evidence of damage caused by poor work, for example, take photos. Now, if the product is faulty within six months of purchases, it is assumed the problem existed when you received it, well, so the onus is on the seller. Well, and are there some situations where you can't avail of a refund or a repair or a replacement? There are. So if you were informed about the defect before you bought the item, so you were told, look, there is an issue and this is what you need to do. So if the goods were marked shop soiled or the car dealer told you a part needed replacing on a second-hand vehicle, then you wouldn't have any right of recourse there. If the damage is caused by your own misuse or negligence, if the fault appears six months after it was received, 
then the onus is on you to prove that it was not caused by you. Or if you simply made a mistake when buying the item or buying the item. So if you bought a black dress instead of a navy dress or entered the wrong date for a flight, then you wouldn't have any grounds for redress there. Or if the fault is superficial and you examined the item before you bought it and you should have seen the defect, then the onus is on you as well. You've, and you've no recourse. But what if, what if I buy something and then I come home and I change my mind? I don't really like that. Which happens to a lot of us. Yeah. You're not automatically entitled to a refund when returning an item you bought in a shop because you've simply changed your mind. But if there's nothing wrong with the item, then... Hold on, I'm actually lost here. So whether or not you can get your... It'll depend on the seller, actually. So you know yourself, an awful lot of them go in and they'll say, bring it in 30 days or six days. So it depends on the seller's policy. But the seller vol- most sellers voluntarily allow the customers to return or replace goods during a certain time period. So they may offer a refund, exchange or credit note as a goodwill gesture. For this reason, do check. I mean, I know I was purchasing for my sons over the weekend and you know yourself, you're purchasing clothes for your sons. They may or they may not cock their nose at it. Yeah. So I had to say, look, when can this be returned? Because it was for Christmas and I was sold oh, the 6th of January. So that's perfect. OK, yeah. So, and just check. And a lot of the shops do it, I have to say, for, for, for goodwill. But what if I get a gift and I just don't like the gift? Well, if you, it's, it's the same, same would apply there, really. Some shops may exchange an item if you received it as a gift and want to exchange it for something else. In this case, you will need the receipt or a gift receipt from the person who gave it to you. But there is no legal requirement for the shop to exchange okay. unwanted so gifts. So it is, it, is, it is buyer we, uh, beware. And then buying the online, do you have more rights when buying online? You do. We have the Consumer Rights Directive from 2011. And this gives you extra rights when you buy online from sellers based in Ireland and other EU countries. So under the CRD, you have 14 calendar days to change your mind without having to give a reason. This right to cancel is also known as the cooling off period. These rights do not apply to deals where you buy from private individual, however, or if you buy from a trader based outside the EU. So that's why we would be saying try and keep your purchases within the EU, if at all possible, just to strengthen your rights. OK, and then a lot of people think that your rights change when there's a sale on in the shop, does it? No, it doesn't. You have the very same rights shopping the sales as you do at any other time of the year. If an item is faulty, your rights don't change just because it was on sale. I mean, we would always say, remember, a consumer has the right to expect a product to be of satisfactory quality, fit for purpose, and as described. And if anybody has an issue with with anything that we've spoken about here now this morning, please give us a call. Check out our website on citizensinformation.ie um, and we'd be happy to go through any issues that you have. Our service is free and confidential. OK, and I knew when we'd mentioned vouchers, just very briefly, a listener's talking about the one for all vouchers. They depreciate by one forty-five per month if it's not activated within 12 months of purchase. It happened to my daughter and the entire amount of €20 Euro was taken, says Mary. Is that still allowed? Is that, do you know that's actually something I would have to look into okay. to be honest with right. you so if Mary wants to give us the call Perfect. here in Mallow and, and how, can um, you be contact- how can you be contacted we can be contacted on 0818 here in Mallow or if you're down near Bantry it's 0818 okay. and please do give us a call and I can look into it no problem very good you're always a mind of information listen thanks for that have a good Christmas if I don't talk you to you before too, and you Karen too. thanks for joining good us uh, bye bye Karen Crowley there information officer at the South Munster Citizen Information Service based in Mamo. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Have we a plumber listening to the programme, please? Katie in Butterfant has been on to us. She has a bit of a plumbing issue in that the water isn't going into the tank in her house for some reason and she is having massive problems trying to source a plumber. She's had no luck so far this morning. So she wants to know if we could put a shout out for any plumber working in the Butterfant area, General North Cork area, somebody willing to go to Butterfant, somebody in Butterfant who would be able to help out Katie, please. No water going into the tank. I don't know how big or how small a job that is. But if there's any plumber listening to us, this morning please or anyone that you can recommend for Katie who might be available Uh, obviously she can't be without water for the rest of the day so she needs somebody to go and sort it out today so if anybody can help us with that please do 1850 333 103 I mentioned booster shots because I got my booster shot yesterday somebody was saying Trish how did you get on I got on fine might now have to say but it's the same whenever I get any kind of like a flu jab or whatever I've absolutely no symptoms or after effects or anything like that but my arm is sore and I know last when I was in bed and I rolled over at one stage it's not on the side I sleep on but the other you might roll over so oh it's a bit tender and if I press on the site where the injection went in it's a little bit tender or if I'm when I was driving my car because I got it in my left hand when I was driving um, the car and I pulled up the handbrake when I pulled up outside the radio station I just kind of felt a bit of a twinge but listen absolutely nothing nothing at all to complain about and they sometimes say that if you get any kind of a reaction like that it's a good sign that your immune system is kicking in and is really working. I don't know if that's uh, true or not but I know Marsha who bless her heart is heading off to get hers now at City Hall at a quarter past one uh, today. She always and I don't know if it's to do with her immune system or not but she always reacts to injections when we all got our flu jabs earlier on in the winter the three of us headed off down to Horgan's chemist and we got our flu jabs and as I was walking back out from the chemist bringing her into the car I could feel the sight of where she got the injection heating up and her arm went all red and it was just oh on fire for a couple of days then it calmed down and it was fine and I know certainly on her first COVID shot. She was very unwell, spiked a really high, te- well I won't say very unwell, she spiked a high temperature that it was a bit of a worry to get it back down again in a couple of days and, and she was fine again but she, whatever kind of immune system she has, it really reacts the minute we put anything into her little body so I'll, I'll wait and see and of course because she can't tell you it's really really difficult, we just have to keep an eye on her constantly taking her temperature, airing on the side of giving her Panadol just to be on the safe side but no, other than my arm is a bit tender I've but you can't even see where the injection uh, was so thank you for asking and then somebody else says Patricia do you know have they moved to the over 50s the reason I ask is I'm after getting an appointment this morning for this coming Friday I'm 55 don't have any underlying health conditions and I have to go to City Hall now I don't know what part of the county you're texting me from I'm assuming you're texting from somewhere in North Cork because the Mallow Vaccination Centre the GAA Centre that's gone so everybody in North Cork has been sent into the city I mentioned actually at the top of the programme this morning that mid-December actually had been flagged as the start date for boosters to people aged over 50. Now, I'm in that over 50 category, but I went through Weedle's pharmacy because the pharmacists are doing the over 50s at the moment, along with other, they're doing the, I think they're doing, are they doing the over 60s and the over 70s? But anyway, I, I got in as a, the over 50 cohort through Weedle's pharmacy. I filled in my form online. That's why I was saying to people to check in with their local pharmacy. But the... HSE had said that it would be mid-December 
before they would start sending appointments out for people to go to the vaccination uh, centres. But only this morning I heard that the lead for the HSC for the vaccinations, Damien McCallion, was raising the possibility that they would have an earlier start. So it does look like that earlier start now. So people over 50 can start can expect to start getting text messages about their booster jab and yes it is into the city and I know that doesn't suit everybody to go to the city but that's that's what they're doing so yes so they've moved down to the over 50s somebody saying what about the over 40s no news on the over 40s yet but we are waiting on the NIAC meeting which is going to be held this evening and the HSC are waiting for NIAC to see if NIAC are going to give the go-ahead for the 5 to 11-year-olds to start the vaccination programme for the 5 to 11-year-olds. And the HSE have already asked NIAC if they are to start with the 5 to 11-year-olds in the coming weeks, does that mean that the children will get the priority vaccines rather than moving down to those in their 40s, their 30s and in their 20s. So we're waiting on NIAC and what NIAC say on that. So we should have more more about that when it comes through uh, this evening. And then back to a topic that we did in the first hour on the programme. And this was the Sinn Féin councillor from Limerick, John Costello, who joined me. He believes that the British Royal Insignia on the Irish post boxes should be removed. Now, he did say rather tongue-in-cheek with an angle grinder but uh, he said if not if you don't want to take an angle grinder to them because he accepts some of these freestanding post boxes are almost a work of art he said if it can't be done with an angle grinder just that can be covered up cover up the royal insignia with the crown and the, the VR Victoria Reign or the GR whatever it is and put some kind of a symbol on it instead from on post some of your thoughts coming in on that Michael Inkildallery says they should be left as they are Michael also says surely some of those are very valuable because they're very old letter boxes Amanda in Mallow says I feel that Councillor John Costello is right if we're talking about a United Ireland and ever having a United Ireland in this country, then it is time to remove the past and take an angle grinder and get rid of the royal insignia. Dennis in Bandon says we have to honour our history and realise that we are we were at one time under British rule. While people may not like this, it does demonstrate our history and it's part of our history. Therefore, says Dennis, he feels they should stay. Joe in Charlevoix says I agree with Councillor John Costello that the royal symbol should not be on our post boxes but then we would only be destroying these uh, boxes which are a lot sturdier than some of the new post boxes that we have at the moment. They're cast iron aren't they in the main. Tim and Madeline Hasek says I feel they should be left alone. We, who are they really offending at the end of the day? How much will it be to remove the emblem off all of these letter boxes and the letter boxes are all over the country. At the end of the day it'll be the taxpayer who'll have to fork out and pay for it. Leave it as is. Tim and Madeline Hasek says he hasn't even really noticed them and I guarantee you the fact we've been discussing it on the radio today every time you pass a letter box in the coming day you're going to notice the royal insignia that you probably, Tim, in Ballinhasic, haven't noticed before. Michael in Dunmanway, thanks for your call, Tim. Michael in Dunmanway says, if Councillor Paul Costello is so against this royal insignia, how will we ever move forward if we are to have a united Ar- Ireland, if that is the viewpoint of the Sinn Féin party? Uh, surely if we have a united Ireland, Sinn Féin will have to represent both sides of our past. So signs of British rule may be evidence but a change to incorporate how everybody feels uh, if we if we ever move towards a united uh, Ireland. And Christine, to our Facebook page, 
when asked should we remove them not if it means replacing the post box completely because Christine on our C103 Facebook page said she personally likes those old letter boxes and Patrick says no we shouldn't be removing the insignia it not o- it's not only a preserved structure but it's part of our history and therefore should be retained 1850 333 I mentioned earlier I think that's all is there any other ones on that I mean just quickly taking a look at other is there some more in here hasn't that Sinn Féin councillor little to worry about says this uh, texter I have a son with cancer and a handicapped daughter for whom I'm a full-time carer and I'm in my 80s. I've a, you, know, you have a lot more to be worrying about uh, for sure. Hope everybody in your household is uh, keeping well. And another texter says, Patricia, maybe that councillor, Limerick, John Costello, would like to get a machine and dem- demolish King's John's Castle in his own city of Limerick. Actually, King John's Castle was mentioned when it came up at the council meeting where it was suggested that they got rid of the insignia and somebody actually said that, that it will be like somebody going into King John's Castle with a sledgehammer and knocking off part of it. So it actually did get mentioned. Anyway, this texter says, if you're going down that route, get rid of King John's Castle in Limerick. What about renaming the RDS, which stands for the Royal Dublin Society the, and the RDS by the way says this texter Sinn Féin we're glad to use for some of their meetings in the not too distant past kind regards and that's coming in from a West Cork uh, listener 1850 also coming into us on PCR tests and um, I mentioned that people are still struggling and finding it difficult to get PCR tests and if you have somebody with symptoms in your house and you need to get a PCR test the tip that we've been giving is to if you can't get a test today or tomorrow say at midnight tonight wait up until midnight refresh the page and it seems to reset the system at midnight and more tests then become available and you might be lucky then to get a test for tomorrow or the day after Pat and Kilworth was listening to me talking about PCR tests and he said they had to go to Limerick Airport from Kilworth for a PCR test on Saturday all of the test centres across Cork were fully booked out. So it is very much an issue here in Cork. And they say, the HSE say, they're running at full capacity. 200,000 tests were conducted last week uh, alone. So they're running at uh, full capacity. 1850 On the gagging of Neffet and have Neffet been gagged? And are they leaking too much out to the press? Ger says it's a bit of a cheek, isn't it? The government talking about leaks coming from Neffet? We all knew exactly what was going to be in the budget <laughs> before the Minister for Finance ever took to his uh, feet. Thank you for that, Jer. Uh, and on the glasses fogging up, when I was saying that I had to put glasses on me on Saturday because I was going to get my contact lenses uh, checked and I couldn't believe how the glasses fogged up, somebody has recommended Opti Plus anti-fog spray is absolutely brilliant. You put it on with your finger onto your spectacles, you leave it for a few minutes and then you wipe it off with a soft cloth. And this is somebody obviously who wears uh, spectacles and says it absolutely works. Thank you for that. 1850 Their questions for Annalise. Keep those coming, please. She'll join us later on in this hour. But Eileen says, would you please give a shout out? It is the last day of the sale at the Care of the Aged Charity Shop. Now, the Care of the Aged Charity Shop is on Main Street in Bantry. Eileen says there's lots of bargains to be had, all monies made at the Care of the Aged 
charity shop on Main Street in Bantry is donated locally and they want to wish all their customers and everyone who's donated to the shop a very happy Christmas and every good wish for 2022 and many happy returns Eileen. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie The Alzheimer's Society in Mallow, they're currently fundraising it's for their new building and they're asking people to support Billy O'Connell's Texas Hold'em card game. It's on New Year's Day. It'll be in Mallow GAA Complex and it'll start at four o'clock in the afternoon. Cash prizes and hampers will be on offer. Now tickets will be €20. All proceeds going towards the new daycare centre on behalf of the Alzheimer's Society in Mallow. Donnerail Active Retirement, they are meeting today, three o'clock in the afternoon. Presentation Pastoral Centre, all COVID guidelines will be strictly adhered to. And Cronin Electrical Cool Main in Britain, they have a Christmas lights display every day from four in the afternoon until 11 at night and it's to raise money for the CUH Charity Fund. Donations are welcome on site at Cronin's Electrical or online at www.idonate.ie forward slash Christmas lights. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Group promoter, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, the state's emergency response team is keeping a close eye as the entire country braces itself for Storm Barra that will come in like a freight train tomorrow morning. Alan O'Reilly is with Carlo Weather, and Alan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Patricia. Now, am I right in saying that we here in the south, especially parts of West Cork, will feel the brunt of this? Yes, absolutely, Patricia. And the latest track information actually brings uh, parts of especially West Cork into the firing line, directly into the firing line. The marine red warning for the marine warnings have been just updated to go from Roaches Point 
to Valencia to Eris Head. So that's an extension now of the area of the marine warning, which is red, to cover part of the uh, the Cork coastline. At present, Cork is in an orange warning, um, but that could potentially be upgraded, so people should keep a close eye on that. Met Aaron will be reviewing those in the afternoon. Looking at the moment, it looks like areas around Bantry Bay, etc., could see gusts in excess of 130 kilometres an hour. Some of the charts showing up to 150 kilometres an hour near the coast. Um, so exceptional winds, which are going to bring some severe damage, especially to exposed areas near the southwest coast, along with very high seas and some very heavy rain tomorrow also. Yeah, because Storm Barra, I'm right in saying, will coincide with high tides. Yeah, we have high spring tides at the moment. And the thing about Barra that's a little bit different from many storms we've seen is the duration. It's not going to blow through and be gone in a couple of hours. The winds are going to start to increase very quickly early tomorrow morning by sunrise. The winds will probably peak around the middle of the day, but they're going to stay very strong right through all of tomorrow and into Wednesday and really only slowly starting to ease Wednesday night. Wow, wow, because I know any of the warnings, uh, the orange, status orange wind warning, that's in place from 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning to 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning. But that could be, you reckon that could even be extended? Well, it could be extended or we could see new warnings issued. You know, it might downgrade to a yellow warning for Wednesday, but we're still looking at a very strong period of winds and it's also going to be bitterly cold as well. So if there is power cuts, that's going to obviously make it more challenging for people trying to heat themselves, etc. We will see some sleet and snow showers, but that will be more in the north and the northwest. But some very high ground, the mountains, um, areas of Kerry and Cork could see some snow falling for a time on top as well. Um, but it is an unusual storm. It's still rapidly developing in the Atlantic, um, but it's coming in. And the, the latest track brings a centred storm in around Galway Bay with the strongest winds always on the southwest of that. So that brings um, Kerry, the west coast, up as far as Clare, maybe even up to Mayo as the storm pulls through into the fireline. But then southwest Cork, Cork and Waterford as well are going to see some very strong winds starting off coming from a few different directions, you know, south, southwest, southeast. Um, so the wind direction will change as the centre pulls through. But a very, very p- strong uh, winds for a long period of time. Wow. And it's going to hit the coast small hours of this, of tomorrow morning? Yeah, it'll really start probably by four or five o'clock in the morning. People okay. will start to notice it and then it'll really start to ramp up. And that's the other part of the storm that's, Unfortunately, is that it's going to peak during daylight hours when people are out and about. So, you know, people, high-side vehicles, motorcyclists, people on bikes, really tomorrow is not going to be a day um, to be taking any chances. And so today is the day to prepare. I mean, remove anything from the garden. I mean, I heard somebody earlier uh, talk about Christmas decorations that might be anything that could take flight. Yeah, certainly if people didn't know there was a storm coming and put up the Christmas decorations at the weekend or maybe even a bit earlier, they need to secure any loose fixtures. Uh, we don't want Santas and reindeers flying through the skies, um, obviously trampolines or anything like that. Uh, I know we've had a few different warnings and people might kind of, you know, think it's just another warning, especially when it was issued first. It was just a yellow everywhere before the details. But the, the storm is a serious storm and the details will be 
kind of fluid enough so you know you could see some upgrades and some changes to weather warning so people really need to be aware and they need to uh, take notice of the changes as the, as the forecast updates so garden furniture things like that just just yeah anything that can move really and yeah. you know you're looking at sustained winds of over 90 100 kilometers an hour in some areas so you know these these are really strong winds something that we haven't seen in quite a while okay and what is the rest of, what's the rest of the week looking like if this is this will be a 24 hour plus uh, event how's the rest of the week shaping up alan yeah, it, it's probably really going to be a 36 to 40 hours. It'll be Thursday, really, before things start to improve. Now, the, the heaviest of the rain will be tomorrow, um, but still some showers, some very heavy showers on Wednesday. Thursday, we'll see lighter winds and just the odd shower. And Friday, staying cold um, and staying generally kind of showery, but not as bad. So if you are kind of planning to do something outdoors, maybe tomorrow, Wednesday, push it back to Thursday or Friday if you can at all. Okay, all right. And um, are you expecting power outages? The winds will be that bad we could have power outages? <laughs> yeah, very likely to power outages. Very likely to see some structural damage partly as well. Um, it, it, it really is going to be kind of a storm that's going to leave a mark. So, you know, charge up the battery packs and, you know, make sure you have your candles and lights, etc. because there may be some areas that will be without power from Tuesday, maybe late Tuesday and then it'll be challenging conditions for the ESB crews to, to be able oh, to get repairs done. My, so. my heart always goes out to them by the conditions that they have to go out in and sometimes they can't go out the conditions are so bad and, yeah. and therefore that leaves people without power for an extended period of time. Exactly it does but in fairness they're always they're always amazing and they always seem to pull resources very quickly from other parts of the country. So hopefully anyone that does lose power will get it back quickly. But there could be challenging conditions for 48 hours. OK, batteries for your transistor radios, guys, and we'll try and keep you as informed as we can. Somebody wants to know, could you ask Alan, where is this storm coming from? From what country? It came out of um, Northeast America, kind of from, from the east to coast of North America. Um, but it was a very harmless little low-pressure system. Um, but the jet stream is powering it up, so it's got caught up by the jet stream, and it's really turned from a little low that would have been not noticeable at all, and it's rapidly deepening. Even on the satellite images at the moment, we can see it starting to take shape, but it'll really be later tonight, early tomorrow, before it becomes kind of really heavily evident on any satellite images because it's going to come become a very deep storm very quickly. Okay, and someone else, so I've got Alan on. Is there any chance of a white Christmas this year? <laughs> there's always a chance I thought I saw a long range forecast saying we haven't a hope for white Christmas this year yeah there's, there's the, the westerly kind of influence is kind of there for the first half of December these storms it does look like we're going to see some more Atlantic weather coming later this weekend and into next week but some little tenths of signs that things might become a little bit more blocked or settle down towards the second half of December which would give us a chance for some colder weather but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get over the weekend first. Yeah, we absolutely, absolutely. And I know I only, I only mentioned, um, um, was at some stage last week, that we had one of the driest Novembers on record. We haven't really been having a very bad winter so far this year, Alan. No, we escaped um, very well in November, but the meteorological season of winter only starts on the 1st of December. So uh, we, we have a bit to go yet, but we, we were very lucky with how mild and how dry 
um, it was in November because those heating bills certainly yeah. the price of fuel we'd notice it but uh, thankfully as well flooding shouldn't be as much of an issue because the water tables aren't that high but coastal flooding is something that people should be aware of with, with the storm as well Okay, batten down the hatches folks and stay safe while a storm barrer comes in like a freight train Listen Alan pleasure as always to talk to you thank you for that and thanks for joining us Thanks, Fisher. Take care. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo Weather in advance of Storm Barra. When we were talking about glasses fogging up with the masks, and somebody had given the name of a product that you could use, somebody else says, Patricia, simple one that everybody has rub a little bit of washing up liquid onto your glasses and then wipe it clean. It keeps them from fogging up. Does that actually work? This listener reckons it does. Okay, we need to take a break and Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, will be joining us. If you have a question for Annalise, you can get it into John Paul, 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp to 862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. Go Somega.com. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic answering all of your nutritional questions. Good morning. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. And you're very welcome. Let me start with Source of Life Gold because we mentioned this last week and I'd say every day last week I got a question in saying, could you give me the name of that tonic that you and Annalise swear by? Somebody else, Jar, is on today saying, could you talk about it again? I don't have access to broadband so I wasn't able to check it out online. And then somebody else who started on the Source of Life Gold said, is it two tablespoons to be taking daily in the liquid form? I've started it but I'm finding it very hard on my stomach can I mix it with something else so I suppose talk firstly about Source of Life Gold and why we all find it so good Okay so I think it's so good because it is a blend of hundreds of nutrients really it's a food based tonic as well and I always think food based is great because that's the way our bodies are used to absorbing the nutrients so there's all your vitamins and minerals in there. There's lots of herbs in there to support the immune system. There's mushroom extract in there, which is beta-glucans. These are getting a lot of attention now in Western medicine for their immune-boosting properties, but for in Chinese medicine, they've been around for 2,000 years as powerful immune boosters. And then there's ginseng in there, and ginseng is a great tonic if you've been stressed or if you've been run down and tired. So um, the ginseng will give you an immediate lift, while I think the rest of the tonic then gives you a great nutritional boost and brings you up then over the course of the month that you're taking it. So normally what I do is I pour myself a cap full and I take it out of the cap. I think it is probably two tablespoons um, is the right amount. I think it's 30 mils. Um, You should have a month's supply in the big bottle it is absolutely fine to mix it in with something and juice and if it does upset your stomach it could be because there's quite a few greens in there so i'd suggest maybe try and split it up and take a couple of teaspoons maybe after you've eaten something so that it's mixing with the food in your stomach and you will should be it should be okay for you to take that way yeah i have to say i don't have a great stomach for taking things they react to everything but i find i take it in the morning with my breakfast and it seems to be fine 
Yeah, I think the rule of thumb, if you've got a a, a delicate stomach, is always to take stuff on after food because the food will have lined your stomach. Um, Now, it does happen that some people does, it does the, I think it's the greens in there, Patricia, there is like chlorella and spirulina and other greens in there. And for some people, it just doesn't agree with them in the larger amount. So just split up the dose, but don't take it late at night because of the ginseng. Okay, I love the idea that I have a delicate stomach. It's about the only thing Mm. delicate about me. Okay, uh, just staying on Source of Life, uh, Hannah says, uh, could you ask Annalise please what could she recommend for my chest this is post uh, COVID I'm still getting chest pains I have started on the source of life gold I've started taking that this week but is there anything you could recommend for kind of still a kind of a tightness and pains in her chest after having COVID I think I wonder would that be the actual lungs Patricia the chest and would it be respiratory um, you know, the pay because it does, the COVID can affect the lungs. I'm seeing quite a few different sort of side effects, um, but respiratory is one of them. And I think something like N-acetylcysteine is very good because it works very well as an anti-inflammatory. It's brilliant for the liver um, as well. And it also is great for anything to do with the lungs. So it's capital N and then acetyl, A-C-E-T-Y-L. And then the next word is cysteine, C-Y-S. T-E-I-N-E. It's an unusual one, um, but it is absolutely fantastic. And to be honest, I ordered it um, in huge amounts, Patricia, because it's been so popular for COVID uh, that it is almost sold out around the world. Um, But it's very, very effective. And anybody who also suffers from COPD, which is um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, which they might have had after being maybe long-term smokers or from asthma, years of asthma, and N-acetylcysteine is very good for that as well. Okay, back to the Source of Life Gold. Can a diabetic take Source of Life Gold, somebody wants to know? I think it's probably fine. I mean, there are some fruit extracts in there, but it wouldn't be very high in sugar, so it should be absolutely fine. You mentioned a cream last week for very cracked lips. What was that cream, please? Very cracked lips. So there is a, there is one that I go to all the time for my lips, Patricia. It's... Um, a little tube, a lip balm tube, and it is called Eco Balm. Uh, I have it here in the shop. There's one that comes uh, with peppermint in it. There's one that is just plain, and there's a bee-free one as well. I'd say you'd get them only in health shops, and it works fantastically so well that people who are on Roaccutane, where typically the lips would be so chronically dry that they would be cracking, it works fantastically for them as well. So it's called EcoBam, and you should get it in any health store. But I think also, just in terms of anything to do with healing, um, Dr. Delish Clare, the healing cream is wonderful. It's got calendula in there, and calendula is always very, very good for skin, anything to do with skin. So that would be possibly another good one as well if you can't get your hands on the EcoBam. Okay, hi Annalise. Could you recommend anything I can take? I've just started the menopause and I'm getting terrible bouts of sweating where I'm left feeling very hot to suddenly feeling very cold. So there's, I think generally, Patricia, sage is the best for the night sweats. Um, And you can get it again in any health shop and you need to take it throughout the, the menopause really so people take it for a couple of months and then the sweats are gone and they stop taking it and the sweats will come back again so do keep taking it for a period of 6 to 12 months if you're suffering from night sweats and hot sweats but if you've other symptoms as well and gosh there's so many symptoms of menopause I brain fog I think for a lot of people is one of the worst ones where you just you can't remember you know people's names you can't remember where you put your keys you can't remember what you did 5 minutes ago that's a that's a, a very common one. Sleeplessness, low mood, anxiety, 
um, sore breasts, heavier periods. That's common in the perimenopause stage. And of course, then there's an increased risk of osteoporosis. So there are various different supplements that will work for different symptoms. But the, the natural way of me- treating menopause is to take plant-based estrogens. Now, doctors are very reluctant at the moment to give HRT. And I don't understand why, because it's not really that dangerous. And women are putting up with horrendous um, um, symptoms symptoms of yeah. menopause and they're coming in and they've been put on antidepressants and they've been put on cholesterol tablets all they need is HRT so plant-based estrogens can work very well and the one that we often start people off here is the Nutri-Advanced Perimeno Support it is absolutely like a miracle product it's fantastic so we normally tell people to take that for a couple of months because it's pricey and then maybe to go on to something like NHP Menoherbal, that one is called Menoherbal. Another one is the Vogel Menopause Support, but I've I've listed them then in order of the customer feedback. So the Nutri Advanced Perimeno Support is the number one. The second one is the NHP Menoherbal, and the third one is the Vogel Menopause Support. Actually, I'm reading a book now for the life of me. I can't think of the name of it. Uh, It arrived into work last week or the week before, and it's all to do with the menopause and the fact that as women, we don't discuss menopause, we don't discuss symptoms and exactly what you're saying, people think it's something else and actually the, it's, it's actually menopause is actually what they're suffering about. Now I don't know if I'm going to get to the author of this book this side of Christmas or not until the new year but there's so much in the book that I'm thinking she's right, we have a tendency to even amongst ourselves as females it's like oh the dreaded night sweats and you kind of laugh it off and you move on. We need to be talking more about it. Absolutely, especially the more obscure symptoms like the brain fog, low mood and anxiety, because people might put it down to being stressed or COVID or dealing with elderly parents. And of course, there isn't a whole pile of women in research and medicine. Now that's changing, thank God. So we really don't know how important oestrogen is as a neurotransmitter in the brain, not to mind what else it does. I mean, we know what it does for bones, but we really don't understand how complex its function is within the body. So it hasn't been studied a huge amount and uh, therefore I think that medicine hasn't caught up with menopause for women yet. Yeah, yeah, which is a real shame when you look at the amount of women that are around the world of menopausal age. Anyway, I will get to that book, I, I, I promise listeners. OK, what else is coming into us? What could Annelise recommend, please, to improve circulation? Okay, so a couple of different things for circulation. Hawthorne is always a lovely one for the actual health of the blood vessels that make up the circulatory um, system. And if they're healthy, it will help with blood pressure. It'll help with, you know, keeping the blood flowing through the veins. So that's Hawthorne. Garlic and omega-3 fish oils will thin the blood if the blood is a bit thick. And, you know, that's great in terms of good circulation as well. The omega fish oils, of course, do so many other um, jobs as well for memory and brain as anti-inflammatories. And the garlic is a great immune booster as well. So that's another lovely one. Um, So the last thing then for if it's for blood pressure, we're looking at magnesium and coenzyme Q10. And they, again, help improve the health of the blood vessels and also help improve the contraction of muscles in the circulatory system too. Uh, Winnie says back to source of life gold uh, Winnie suffers from gastro issues, issues and is on Nexium would it be okay to take source of life gold with that? Look it's absolutely it's not going to contradict or counteract the effect of the Nexium um, 
and it's certainly not going to do any harm but she maybe I'd suggest if she's worried about whether it will agree with her or not try a small bottle before buying a big bottle first so you don't spend the money and discover you can't take it Okay and could you mention once again the item that you said for that's good for lungs and somebody with COPD So it's called N-acetylcysteine uh, capital N A-C-E-T-Y-L cysteine C-Y-S-T-E-I-N-E Okay, and John Paul is just pointing out that we do put up Annalise's slot in the afternoon on a podcast. And the the best thing with podcasts is you can stop it and rewind it and listen to it again because I appreciate that Annalise has so much information that sometimes uh, people can't, t- can't take in everything that Annalise is saying. So you can listen to it on a podcast. Now, somebody has high blood pressure and they were reading online on a natural health website that taking kale and spinach leaves is good for lowering high blood pressure. Interested in Annalise's view on this and if, it's, if it is the case, is it okay to use frozen kale or frozen spinach leaves in a drink, for example? So, spale, uh, sorry, spale, kale and spinach would be very good in, because they're very high in magnesium and potassium and these are very important for our electrolyte balance for healthy blood pressure. And the magnesium, again, very important for contraction of muscles, of which your heart is a very important muscle. So from that perspective, they would definitely help. Celery is another wonderful one because it's very high in potassium. Uh, We do need a little bit of salt, but not, you know, I think salt your food with sea salt, but stay away from very salty foods like sausages, rashers, crisps and processed foods and follow a lower salt diet, diet that way. But if you have the right balance of magnesium, potassium and sodium chloride, that is very important for health blood pressure so making sure that you've lots of fruit vegetables and a couple of fruits a day not just focusing on spinach and kale there would be very important and frozen is always fine Patricia yeah I think people think that because it has to be fresh and, and that's not the case well I think nowadays before if you're getting your your vegetables from a, a farmer that's local but nowadays by the time they leave wherever they've been grown transported, they sit in a warehouse until they distribute it out and then they sit on the supermarket shelf. So actually I think the frozen veg is nearly healthier these days. Mm, okay, listen, and you'll put it up on your website, all of the information as heard on the radio, that's the healthhubstore.com where people can actually see all of the products that we have referred to uh, today. Always a pleasure, Annelise. Thank you for that. Thanks, Patricia. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is Annelise Giselle of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic. Now, before I let you go, do I have a quick minute? I do. I saw somebody text us, Mary, uh, to say, uh, Patricia, could you get your team to check out about the pension and social welfare payments pre-Christmas. I was expecting the Christmas bonus last week but it didn't come when I went to the post office. The person in my local post office, while very efficient, wasn't a regular and didn't seem to know when the Christmas payment uh, would be uh, happening. Also, the Christmas bonus, not the bonus, the Christmas payment, will they pay it uh, the week in in advance? Okay, I can tell you on the Christmas bonus that gets paid as in from this week. So when you, whatever day you were in the post office collecting your pension, you'll be receiving it this week. That's the Christmas bonus. I'll have to check and we'll I'll do it this afternoon and I'll hopefully have the information for you tomorrow as to what happens in the lead into Christmas. Normally what happens if the post office is going to be closed Christmas week, they'll pay two weeks. It isn't a bonus week, but they'll pay a week in advance. So let us double check that for you. But you will be getting your Christmas bonus that definitely gets paid this week. Okay, that's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Take care. 
in the early hours of tomorrow morning. We will talk to you more about Storm Baron to the I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.